Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. We're in a series right now that we've been in for the last two weeks, the second week, and we've titled the series this, A Great Work. A great work. Uh, just because it's, it's, it's the 9 a.m. service, and uh, I think maybe we, we haven't had all of our coffee, uh, just loud and proud join me. Just someone say, a great work. A great work. It's, it's a great work. And we started this series last week talking about the local church and talking about everything that we're doing as a church and, and uh, what God has called the church to do, not just our church, but the church to do. And we've been talking about in this last two weeks how the church really is God's idea. The church is God's, de- uh, God's design. And church is not just a good thing. It's not just a noble thing, but the local church really is a great work. Can't tell me how, how, how many people over the course of the last 15 years have said, oh, you're a pastor. Wow, that is such a good thing you're doing. That is so noble of you. Wow, that's that's amazing. And while I understand the sentiment, the reality is it's not just a good thing. It's not just a noble thing. What we're doing, it is a significant part of God's plan. It is a great work. And we're using the book of Nehemiah in this series because Nehemiah, it tells the story of the rebuilding of the walls. We don't have time this morning to go into the entire story of Nehemiah and do a deep dive book study. But some things we talked about last week uh, are that Nehemiah is a part of uh, this story that takes place through the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah. Uh, Many scholars believe that Ezra and Nehemiah could just be considered one work because they both tell a singular story that uh, spans about 110 years. And the singular story that Ezra and Nehemiah tells is the story of God's people who were in Babylonian captivity, going from captivity back to uh, the holy city, back to Jerusalem, and the temple being uh, rebuilt, the walls being rebuilt, and God's people once again being reestablished. God's people being established, not just physically and practically, but spiritually, this spiritual reform that took place. Well, we started talking about Nehemiah last week because Nehemiah, his part of the story is he was the one who rallied people to go and to rebuild the walls. Uh, Many scholars uh, agree that Nehemiah, one of his primary motivations in rebuilding the walls were that without the walls, God's people were vulnerable. Without the walls being fortified, God's people, they were vulnerable to the enemy and vulnerable to adversaries from all around. And Nehemiah, we read this last week, he was compelled by God. Nehemiah had a burden for the work. He had a burden for God's people. He hears that God's people are in distress, that God's people are suffering and the walls are broken down, the gates burn with fire. And the Bible says for days he's fasting and praying and he's in mourning because he was burdened for this work. And the uh, correlation that we find is that uh, the local church is not just a place of worship. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that we get to gather together and I'm thankful that we get to worship. One of the primary functions of the local church, it is a corporate gathering of worship. We said this last week, uh, we don't gather here for anybody's preferences, but his. And, and so we're not gathered together trying to, you know, make everybody just feel like this is the, the coolest, vibiest place. No, we're, we're here for him. 
And so it's, it's, it's about his preferences and how, how can we come and how can we worship and honor the Lord in everything we do. And so it is a place of worship, but it's not just a place of worship. Uh, the local church is not just the hands and feet of Jesus. While, while we sit here today, there are thousands upon thousands of people outside of these walls who are hurting and who need the love and the life, the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has come to do and what Jesus can do. And there is a part of the church that God's called us to be his hands and feet. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, what does the Bible say? Go into all the world. The Bible doesn't say stay. It says go into your world where you are, go into your world and make disciples. So there's a part of our calling that is to reach people. However, we're not called to just be a corporate place of worship. We're not called to just go. There's a part of the calling of God on, on the church and on our lives as a community to build a place, to, to build a home, to be a people and a place where people can come and find safety and security, where in that place they can be healed and set free, where they can grow and be established in God, discover who God's called them to be and, and fully grow into all that God has for them. The, 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 the local church is not just a place of worship, nor is it just a place to, 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 to rally so we can go, but part of our calling is to build a place for people. We, we said this last week, uh, we're not building programs for people to come serve. We're not saying what's, what's the latest, greatest thing that we can do, what programs, what ministries, what system, what structure can, can we do, and then how do we get people to come serve that? No, we're not building programs or ministries for people to serve. Rather, we're, we're doing ministry and we're establishing programs to serve people. People, do you hear, hear, hear the difference in that? That we're not building things for people to serve; we're doing things to serve people. Everything we do, it is for people. And we talked about this last week. How there's similarity in the story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, while there are qualities that we can share with the Good Samaritan, and we should be a Good Samaritan. Really, the story of the Good Samaritan. It's about Jesus. That Jesus, he is the good Samaritan. He is the one who found us in our brokenness and, and, and brought healing to our life and put us on his animal and brought us to, a, to an inn, a home that we call the church. And one of our primary callings, like that inn, like that innkeeper, is to be a place that God can send people, that we will care for them until he returns. Jesus is coming back. He will return. In the story of the Good Samaritan, he says, you care for him until I return. And when I return, I will repay you everything that you spent, but you care for him until part of our, our calling, one of the main reasons we exist is to be a home and to be a place for people. Can I get an amen? So we talked about last week in the same way that Nehemiah was rebuilding these walls. We, man, we're called to build God's house. So that it's a place where people can be established. And we talked about last week having a burden. And this week, as we look at the book of Nehemiah, we're going to read in the second chapter and talk about this week uh, taking action. Now, let me pause for a second and just say this. I realize statistically that I am preaching to the choir this morning. Um, I don't know the exact percentage. Uh, Pastor Jenny would know it, but I, I don't know what it is. Um, I was looking her direction like she was going to like 
mouth it to me, but she didn't. Um, and she's shaking her head. No, maybe she doesn't know. Maybe I assume she knew. Uh, but, but we have an insane amount of people who serve and volunteer in our church, which by the way, thank you to everyone who's serving. Thank you to everyone who's volunteering because literally we, we can't do anything we're doing without people that, that, that are sacrificially serving. And, and so this morning, as we talk about taking action and getting involved, I just kind of want to state the obvious that we are a part of a church that uh, gets it more, uh, more than most. And statistically, if you just compare our church to churches across our nation, um, it is it is absolutely you know, just astounding how involved we, we are. And I'm saying that because I don't want anyone to feel like today, as we talk about taking action, like, well, I'm already serving. I'm already serving in 35 ministries. Like, does it have to be 37? Because I, I, I'm kind of at, at capacity. But, but I want to remind us, we talked about this last week, that one of our main focuses, it's our heart and our perspective. So, so remember last week, we didn't have like a concrete conclusion because the concrete conclusion was, God, help our hearts. Help our hearts to be burdened for, for people. God, help our hearts to have a passion for, for your house. God, change our perspective. So we don't see church as just this good, noble thing that we should be. God, help us to see this is a great work and a part of your eternal plan. And in the same way, as we talk about being involved and taking action today, I just want to encourage you. Um, it's really more about the heart than the hands. God wants our heart more than he just wants our hands. Come on, anybody who has kids, you know what it's like to have someone who's doing something with the wrong attitude. I, I think one of the scriptures that I quote the most to my kids, and they don't even know it, is the Bible says it's the willing and the obedient that, that eat the good of the land. But we don't just need your obedience. We need your willingness, your attitude. And my kids don't get that yet, but they will at some point. But as parents, you, you know it's not just about your hands, it's about your heart. And so as we talk about today taking action, I don't want anyone to feel any pressure like, okay, well, I got to get more. We need to be led by the Lord and with our full heart say, God, what are you calling me to do? God, where are you calling me to serve? God, God what is the part you're calling me to play with all of my heart to be a part of building your house, building a place for your people to be established? Can I get an amen? All right. Nehemiah chapter two. Uh, I'm going to try to read it from the screen. This is not intended to be a joke. It's just the reality. Um, the words are getting smaller over time. Um, and so they, they, they used to be so large on the screen. And I would sit here and I would laugh at my dad, Pastor Gill, thinking they're not that small. They're getting small, church. They're getting small. Nehemiah chapter two, we're, we're going to read uh, quite a bit of scripture this morning. Uh, we're going to read verses one through nine in the second chapter. It says this, and it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Arxes, when wine was before him, that I took wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore, the king said to me, why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. And I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad? When the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Then the king said to me, well, what do you request? What do you request? 
So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, well, how long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I set him a time. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they may permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. And a letter to ask the keeper of the king's forest that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple for the city wall. <clears throat> And for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me according, listen to this, according to the good hand of God that's upon me. If I was a note taker, I'd circle that, I'd highlight that, according to the good hand of God that was upon me. Then I went to the governors in the regions beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. Now, go over, and I want to read the uh, same chapter, but verses 11 through 13, I believe it'll be. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate to the uh, serpent, uh, well, at the refuse gate, and the View, uh, to view the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down and its gates, which were burned with fire. Now we're going to skip all the way over to verse 17. We'll read two verses and then we'll, uh, we'll call it a day. So, so Nehemiah, he's, he's before the king and the king says, why, why are you sad? What's happening? And he, he tells the king and he gets fa favor from the king and he goes and then he is uh, surveying the walls and looking at the work that needs to be done. And then in verse 17, uh, he, he begins to rally the people. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in wait and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me and also of the king's words that he'd spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Title of the sermon this morning, uh, it simply is this, make a move. Talked about last week having a burden, and we're going to talk this week about making a move, taking action. Now, one of the things as I get older that I'm really starting to appreciate is cliches. I think I've, I've talked about this before, uh, but, but I'm really starting to appreciate cliches because here's what I'm realizing. As cliche as they are, um, there's truth in, in a lot of them. Now, I don't know all the cliches, so don't come at me after service and be like, well, what about this one? I, I don't know all of them. But the ones that I do know, they might not be the truth, but there's truth in them. And, and they're cliches because there's truth in them and because they have withstood the test of time. For example, a cliche uh, that I can appreciate is the cliche, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. And, and it's because that's the reality. Talk is cheap in a cer certain way. Like, for example, um, have you ever volunteered or offered to help someone before, but you were only volunteering as a courtesy because you didn't think they'd actually take, take you up on it? Oh, man, so, uh, man, so, so sorry to hear that. Hey, wh whatever we can do to help, let us know. 
But you're kind of saying it, though, because you're in the moment, and it feels good, and it sounds good. It just sounds like the right thing to say, but you don't actually think they're going to take you up on it. And, and it's different when you get anything we can do to help, just let us know. And they go, oh, seriously? Tomorrow. Like, I, like can, can you spare 12 hours to help us move? <laughs> oh, uh, move. Can de, Define that for me. You know, heavy furniture, refrigerator, washer, dryer, lots of stairs, small doorways, awkward hallways. You, you know, moving. Like, we're going to get a Subway sandwich, split it 35 ways, and like, it's call it a day. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I would absolutely love to... This, this happened a, a couple months ago. Um, and by the way, in case, I think they'll be here second service. Um, we absolutely were privileged to do it. But uh, some friends of ours uh, recently ha had a baby. And uh, like us, they have a lot of children. And we, we said, hey, just let us know anything that we can do. And genuinely, we meant that. But I was not prepared for less than 12 hours later them to go, hey, can you keep all of our kids for like 24 we got, now we got nine kids in our home. Like I was not prepared. Talk is cheap. It's, it's cheap to, to talk about it, but it's expensive to actually be about it sometimes. And, and the reality is that it's, it's easy for us to, and, and th th this is not any, like, I'm not patting my, myself on the shoulder or anything like that. Um, we, we got, we as a teaching team, we got such great response last week just encouragement and affirmation uh, from the service last week and everything that the Lord was ministering th like th uh, through, through the word. And, 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 and part of it is, yeah, because it is easy to talk about. Oh, yeah. No, amen, absolutely, man. We want to be a church. We want to be a place for people. Oh, yeah, that was so spot on, so good. Like, we want to be a place where God can send us people because we are prepared. We're ready. We're building a home where people are safe and secure, and there's opportunity for people to, to, to be loved and cared about. Like, it's easy to talk about that, but it's a whole different ball game to be about that. Because what we see in the book of Nehemiah is that Nehemiah didn't just have a heart. He wasn't just burdened. Nehemiah was, was about it in action. We won't read all the scripture again, but these scriptures that we read, if you think about it, Nehemiah, he's before the king and he is a cupbearer. And before the king, Nehemiah is visibly distraught. How easy would it have been for Nehemiah's response to be, it's, it's nothing, I'm, I'm fine. Hey, I've never seen you like this before. This is clearly something going on on the inside. And how easy would it have been for Nehemiah to say, no, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm just really ha having a hard time right now. And um, just thinking about what's happening. It, just, it, it's, it's fine, though. Thank you for asking. Would have been so easy. Would have been so easy for Nehemiah as opportunity was presented. The king, king goes, well, what, what can I do? What, you know, what, 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 what are you asking me to do? How easy would it have been for Nehemiah to go, nothing. I mean, like, what, what, what can you do? It's fine, I just need to. But, but Nehemiah didn't do that. Ne Nehemiah got opportunity, and Nehemiah leaned into that opportunity, didn't he? The king says, hey, what's going on? If, if I'm honest, how, how can I not be like this? When I just got news that the place where where my father's tombs are, where my, my, my home, my people, they're hurting. 
the walls are broken, the gates are, how, how can I not be like this? The king, king goes, well, what, what do you ask him? What can I do? And, and rather than just saying, it's fine, Nehemiah leans in, he goes, well, it, it, would, be, it, it, it would be great if you would, you, you would let me go. Nehemiah prays and gets a word from, it, it, it'd be great if you, if you, you would let me go do the work. And I, I love that Nehemiah doubled down because he didn't just get permission to go do the work. He said, and also, do you have any kids like that? The and also kids. And one more thing, at, at bedtime, it's always one more thing. That's the 75th one more thing. We're done, man. Go get your own water. Like it just, uh, one, one, one more thing. Would, would you write letters? So, so that I can have free passage and I can ha- have, have a safe journey. Oh, and one more thing. Would, would, would you write letters so that I can go to where you get all of your resources from, where you get all of your wood and your timber? Will, will, will you write me letters so I can go get whatever I need to accomplish this great work? Ne- Nehemiah didn't just ask for time off, so to speak. Ne- Nehemiah said, well, what I need is I need you to back me and back this thing. When what, I, I don't just need the time to go. I, I need the full weight of your support. And what's so interesting and what I think is just, it's worth noting, and the Bible says the king granted all these things to Nehemiah because God's hand was upon him, because God's favor was upon him. Can I, can I just say, I could make a case, I'd like to make a case momentarily, that there's something that happens in our life, when we set our heart and our purposes in alignment with his heart and his purpose. Something supernatural happens where God puts favor on people. You ever met someone like that? They just got favor on their life and something happens. God puts favor on people. God anoints people. God equips people. It's like God, God showers himself on people whose hearts are for what he's about. Nehemiah, he gets to, to the place and he, he goes and he surveys. He's looking what needs to be done. And then Nehemiah rallies the people. Hey, come on, guys. Come on. God's hand is on me. God's favor is on me. This is, a, this is a great work that God is calling us. Come on, let's rise up and build. And the Bible says the people, inspired by the Spirit of God, rallied by Nehemiah, the people, let's go. Let, let's all put our hands and let's build this, this thing. Let's do this work. Again, it's easy for you and I in our culture to, to talk about it. It's easy. I mean, just, just think about it for a second. How easy is it for us to, to press on our phone, share? And, 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 and we feel like we are a main contributor to, 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 to the solution. We, we talk about things and we pray about things and we feel burdened for things, but, but we live in a culture where it is so easy and so acceptable to talk about it without ever actually having to be about it. And, and the question I want to ask you this morning is, is it possible that God is stirring us to not just talk about it, but to be about it? 
I was talk, talking to some before service and we're just talking about the, the series that we're in and we both were just agreeing that it's obvious if you're, she said, if you're paying attention, which is true. If, if you're paying attention, it's obvious God is doing something in our church. He, he, he really is. And I believe part of what he's doing is he is preparing us for people. He's preparing us to be used by him in an increased way to not just reach people, but care for people. To not just reach people, but disciple people. And it, it will require you and I being a people that we don't just talk about it, but we, we are about it. So here's the question. I want to give you three thoughts this morning. So what prevents us from, 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 from being about it? And I think one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, is that we forget um, that we really can make a difference. We really can make, make a difference. You can write this in your notes. Point number one, you can make a difference. Uh, we, we often forget that the Bible is chock full of stories of people who on the surface were unqualified, people who, who didn't have the experience, they, they weren't the right man for, for the job, so to speak, and yet because they trusted God and they obeyed God and they were willing to do what God was asking them to do, they made an incredible difference. I mean, this is the story of Nehemiah. Ne- Nehemiah doesn't necessarily have a construction background. Nehemiah isn't in the practical, the right man for, no, he, he, he's just a man with, with a burdened heart who's willing to say yes. You'd be amazed at how God could use you if you would just say yes to him. You'd be amazed at the impact that you can make if you would just say, say yes to him. And we, we, we touched on it this morning as we took communion, but for so many of us, we're like, I just, I don't know. I, but God can't use me though, be, because we, we feel underqualified. We, we feel like we're not worthy. And I just want to remind you of a couple of things. The Bible says all of us that we've all been called by God equally. That doesn't mean that we all have the same calling. No, but we've all been called by God equally. We, we won't read the scripture, but Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus, he said to all who, who would call upon him, to all who would believe upon him, go make disciples. The Bible says in the book of Romans that to each one, God has given gifts and abilities and grace and according to what God has given us, we should use. All of us, we've been called by God equally. And I want to remind you of this, not only have we all been called by God equally, but we all are equally unqualified. There's not anybody in their own merit. There's not anybody because of what they have or have not. All of us come before God underqualified, but become qualified because of the finished work of Jesus. All of us. I was talking to someone recently and like they, they are the right man for, 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 for the job, so to speak. Like they, they're the perfect person and they want to step into this particular thing. And, um, and, uh, their, their whole, their whole mentality is I just can't though. Why? I'm just not good enough, man. What do you mean you're not good enough? You're literally a professional at this. I'm not, I'm just, I don't feel like I'm, like I'm spiritual enough. I just, there's just, there's still too many things in my life right now that I'm trying to, and we got to realize all of us, we come to God equally called by God, but equally unqualified. It's the finished work of Jesus that qualifies you and I. 
It's the fact that in him, we have become the righteousness of God, that in him, we have been made to, to be sons and daughters of God, that in him, we are being made. We're all qualified by his finished work. And, and let me just remind you of this. And all of us are in need of the power of God's spirit. See, because that's usually like why people don't say yes. Well, I, I just don't really know if I'm actually called. No, no, you are called. You 100% Ephesians student, you are called. Okay, well, you got me there. I guess I'm called, but I just don't feel like I'm, you know, like, like I'm good enough. Nope, you're qualified. You've been qualified by the finished work of Jesus. Okay, well, I mean, but I just don't feel like I'm, like I'm able, perfect, because nobody is apart from the empowerment of God's spirit. Remember what the Bible says in, in the book of Acts? Um, Jesus' disciples, three-year internship with the Messiah, like walking with him. Three, and Jesus goes, hey guys, please don't leave until you've received power from on high. P -p please. Like, I, know you, I know you've heard all the sermons. You watch me do all, but but." You are not able until you've been enabled by my spirit. And there's not one of us today. Oh, I just, I, I, I couldn't. Well, yeah, welcome to the club. Like, like, welcome to the party. All of us equally called by God and yet equally unqualified and equally unable except for the finished work of Jesus and the empowerment of his spirit. Come on, we, 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 we got to get it in our spirit. I can make a big difference. I, I know it's just me, but the Bible is chock full of people just like me who felt unqualified, who felt unable, but because they were willing to say yes to Jesus and say yes to what he was asking them to do in his qualification, his finished work, because of his power, they made an incredible difference. Now, I, I want to challenge you, encourage you. You can make such a big difference. And secondly, you can write, write, write this in your notes this morning. Not only can you make a difference, but, but I want you to get in your spirit today that, that every part really does matter. Every part does matter. I want to read this to you. Uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, verses three through six, it says this. It says, for I say through the grace given to me to everyone. If this were youth group, I'd say, look at your neighbor and say, that means you too. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For we are many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one Another. If you skip to verse six, having then differing, uh, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Uh, uh, Nehemiah chapter two, two, verse seventeen. I want to read this to you and make a connection. Then I said to them, said to them, so so Nehemiah has the book named after him, but but Nehemiah didn't do this by himself. Yet Nehemiah back here was compelled by God, was burdened and said, yes, but, but Nehemiah did not do this work by himself. Romans 12 says each one of us 
have been, giving diff- have been given differing gifts and each one of us are an individually part of the body. Nehemiah, like you and I, he was one part. Nehemiah said to them, you see the distress that we're in, how, how Jerusalem lies in waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us, not me, let us, not so you guys watch me. No, let us build the wall. Let us give ourselves to this work. Nehemiah 2.18, and and we we see that he says, let us arise, louder half, let us arise and build. And then they set their hands to the work. You can make such a big difference. You really can. And, and it's because every part matters. I heard a pastor say this one time. I thought that's a, that's a great little quote. He said, remember, um, the platform was only elevated for the arrangement of the room. It's not because this part somehow supersedes all the other parts. No, no every part matters. Every part ha- has a part that it plays and God has given you something. God has equipped you with something. God has put something on the inside of you. And if he has, as he calls you to plant your life in a local church, it becomes about not just receiving, but contributing. It becomes about not just saying, okay, I'm here to receive, but no, I'm here to play the part that God has given me because every part really does matter. And lastly, we'll close with this. I want you to know that it's worth the price. It's worth the price. Um, I, I think sometimes maybe we're just not upfront uh, that, that the reality is saying yes to Jesus comes at a very heavy price often. Does it not? If, if, if you th- think about the book of Nehemiah and everything that Nehemiah did, if you re- re- read the book in its entirety, it was hard. It was difficult. It cost Nehemiah time and energy. There was resistance. There were battles he had to fight. And, and can I just tell you, as we lean in and say, or I'm saying yes to Jesus, how, how can I play, play my part with all of my heart? It costs something. There is nothing great that has ever been built for free. There's, there's nothing great that's ever been done for, for no, it, it costs something. And I just want to tell you this morning that the, that the, the, the price, it is worth it. That what it costs you, and I, it, it is worth it. I want to read you a couple of scriptures in, in closing. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. Here's what the scripture says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Mark uh, 8, 30, 35, 36. The words are small. Uh, 35, I believe. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Mark Mark 10, uh, verse 28. Then Peter began to say to him, see, we've left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, 
There is no one who has left house or brother or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, house, brother, sister, mother, children, lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. We could keep going and we won't for time's sake, but the reality is that the scripture is chalked full of Jesus promising both the price that has to be paid and the reward that is certain. Like, like ministry can just be hard. And, and, and by the way, part of the reason ministry can just be hard, and we're going to talk about this next week, about standing our ground and saying yes to Jesus, but, but, but doing it for for. for for the long haul, so to speak. But part of the reason ministry is hard is because there's an enemy who's real. Again, we're going to talk about it next week, but there's a real enemy who, who's doing everything he can to get you and I to drop the tools and go, you know what? I'm, I'm just not going to anymore. This is too hard. It's too difficult. It's too much time, too much commitment. It's just, it's just I, I, got, I got other things to do, man. I got, I'm too busy for this. But but we got to remember we're, we're not working, we're not fighting, we're not living for this temporary life. Jesus, he, he is coming back. And we will spend eternity with him. And Jesus said, don't you, don't you get busy laying it for yourself treasure down here. You stop living and giving and spending to build your cute little kingdom that you feel so, so good in and fail to recognize there is a greater kingdom, an eternal kingdom. It's part of the reason the Bible says, remember, we're, we're, we're pilgrims. This, this house, this home, this life, it's a tent. It is not a permanent structure. No, we are living for eternity. Jesus said, don't you lay it for yourself's treasure down here on earth. Stop doing that. You start making the treasure and the pursuit of your life to live and give yourself to serve me, to reach people, to build my house because I am returning. And when I do, it is people that is the prized possession I am returning for. I'll give you four action steps as we close and worship team can join me. So, so how, how, how do we make a move? Just four, four quick thoughts. Number one, if you're not involved, find somewhere to get involved. If you're like, I'm, I'm here, but I'm, I'm not serving, and there, there's no pressure. It's not like an obligation, but I would say prayerfully consider, get involved. Take the orange card that we talk about all the time, fill it out, put your name, check, just start serving somewhere. Hey, wh where is it that I can contribute? Number two, uh, if you are involved, serve with all of your heart. Can, can I tell you one of the things that we all become uh, victim to if we're not careful? Serving somewhere, doing something, and at first, it's amazing. I love it. It's awesome. And before you know it, you get the planning center request. <sighs> if I have to, all right. And it's life, right? I mean, you get the new toy for Christmas and by April, it's, it's not the new thing anymore. We got to keep our hearts stirred, people. 
We gotta keep our spirit stirred. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in multiple places, stir up the gift of God that is in you. I was preparing the sermon, I was thinking about how different I feel on Sunday mornings as a 35 year old man, as I did when I was, when I was 18, just, just saying yes for the first time. I get so excited. I get here so stinking early. It's like, bro, no one's here at 2 a.m. Like, why are you here? And I wasn't that early, but I just, because I'm, I'm here. And I want everything to be prepared perfectly. And I can remember the times I'd come and I would just lay at the altar and just call out to God. And there, it was so fresh. It was so new. I was so excited. Ah, we get to serve God. All oh, tomorrow we get to go to church. People are going to be there. We get to preach the Bible. We get to love people. And, and if I'm not careful, 17 years later, there are Saturdays that I'm like, whew, man, it's Sunday tomorrow. Lord, give me, just Lord, help me. Help me. Help me. And, and we got to keep our hearts freshly stirred. Again, it's so cliche and I love memes so much, but I hate them too because people send them to me and then things get stuck in my head. And someone sent me a meme recently. It was this guy, he was like cur cur curled up in a ball, like on a subway somewhere. And, uh, and, and it was like, you know, volunteer after serving at church. Can you believe we get to do this? And, and, and I laughed because it was kind of funny because if we're not careful, that becomes our... I know we don't, I know pastor, we don't have to, we get to. It's like, it's like my, you know, my, my, my dad growing up. I, if, if I heard that one more time, I was about to jump out of the car window. Hey, hey guys, we don't have to go to church. We get to go to church. I'm like, it, it doesn't feel like it to be honest because you're making me. But, but it's true. We don't have to do this. God, we get to do this. Like, the insane privilege and honor that the God of heaven and earth said, I could do this without you, but I want to do it through you. I don't need you. I want you. And I want to, I want to bring you in and make you a part of what I'm doing on the earth. And I know it might seem small and insignificant. Oh, my son, my daughter, it is not small. It is not insignificant. What, what, what did David say? All oh, better to be a doorkeeper in God's house than spend a thousand years anywhere else. We got to stir our hearts up again and stop, stop answering the planning center request with our eyes rolled. All right, I guess I got to do it. No, you don't have to. We, 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 we get to. Number two, if you're involved, let's stir our hearts up. Number three, uh, you can put it back on the screen. Uh, work to keep your heart and your perspective clear. We gotta work to keep our hearts pure. Uh, Jenny and I, we, we made an agreement last night and um, the, the agreement last night is, all right, no more joking about each other at the other one's expense. Be, be, because we, sometimes we, we get in groups of friends and you know we're telling the typical wife joke, it's like, hey, no more doing that. Let's just mutual agreement, no more, no, no more jokes at the other one's expense. I, I think there needs to be a mutual agreement in this house. Hey, no more joking and no more making light of the things that God has called us to do that has eternal significance. Hey, don't, no, no, let, let, let's not do that anymore. 
because I'm trying to keep my heart right and my perspective clear that this is such a big deal and it's such an honor that God would say, I don't, I don't need you, but I want you. I could do it without you, but I wanna work through you. And lastly, make serving an act of worship. The Bible says in the book of Ezra, we'll probably get into Ezra in this series, in Ezra chapter two, I believe it is, uh, chapter three. Then Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and his brethren, the priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shittael, and his brethren arose, listen to this, arose and built the altar of God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it as it is written in the law of Moses, the man, the man of God. From the first day of the seventh month, they begin to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, although the foundation of the temple of the Lord had not been laid. So remember, Ezra and Nehemiah are connected. Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls. Ezra is, is part of this rebuilding of the temple. I was reading through Ezra and these two verses, they just stuck in my heart. That before they even, even picked up a tool to build the foundation, they said, no, 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 that can wait. We will build the altar first because the first thing we will do is we will reestablish worship to God the way he, he has asked to be worshiped. The temple can, can wait. The practical can wait. We're doing this first. I, I think, again, part of it is we got to get back to going, part of my serving God, it's an act of worship to you. I'm teasing about planning center, but I'll just keep teasing about it. I'm not hitting accept for them. It's before you, Lord. God, my serving, my being a part of building your house, this great work that you're doing on the earth, it is before you. It's the last, last thing I say, I'll promise. I have a friend and he said, you know, Brandon, in ministry, we have to remember that everything we're doing, we're doing it for, for the ride home. So what do you mean? Like, we're doing it to hurry up and get out of there? No, no, no. So everything we're doing, we're doing so that we can get in our car and we can drive home. And while we're on the ride home, we can hear the still, small voice say, well done, good and faithful servant. We are not doing this just for people. We're not doing this to be thanked. We're not doing this for applause. We're doing this to hear his voice. Say, I'm pleased. I'm pleased with you. I'm honored by your worship. I'm honored by your, by your well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, what would it be like to, to be a part of building God's house and, and to get in the car and drive home and to know on the inside? Well done. The Lord is pleased. I didn't show up today and just give my hands. My hands were helpful. It's not what I gave today. I showed up and I gave my heart. My hands were an extension of my heart, but I came today to give my whole heart. God, I'm here to worship you. I'm here to honor you. And I'm here to serve your people and build your house. Would you pray with me, God, today? We thank you for your word. 
We thank you, Lord Jesus, for being so faithful to speak to us and to minister to us through your word. And we acknowledge today that you are doing something in our house. You're doing something in our church. And we're asking you that God, wherever we are, that you would minister to us in that place. Lord, would your word today find deep root in good soil in the hearts and lives of your people in this house? And would you be the one who leads us and guides us? God, would we never feel any manipulation, any prayer? Would you lead and would you guide us? And would you burden our heart for your people, for your house? And would you compel us, God, to not just be burdened, but to make a move? but to make a move and, and to begin to play the part that you've given us to play with all of our heart, that your house may be built, that your people may be established. We thank you for it today in Jesus' name. again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.